in the kind of lead up to Christmas and, and during this international year of light, uh, we have thought about three lights. First light, guiding light, and, and true light. And today we kind of come to the fourth one and, and the final one. And so if you have a Bible, can I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5? It's page 969 in the Red Pew Bibles. And we're going to break into the so-called Sermon on the Mount. Just Jesus has started to tell his disciples about life and living in the, in the kingdom of God. And just before he launches into some extremely powerful and, and provocative teaching regarding anger and lust and judgment and truth-telling and loving your enemies and going the extra mile and turning the other cheek, etc., just, just before he does that, he clarifies the identity of kingdom people, kingdom dwellers, us. And one of the first things he says in that so-called Sermon on the Mount is that they are, kingdom dwellers are, we are blessed. Some of you might remember this from our World Changer series. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. And I'll come back to those later. But then using a couple of strong metaphors in, in verses 13 and 14, Jesus establishes two more aspects of our identity. And we know these well. I mean, this is familiar territory we're on this morning. Jesus says, you are salt. And you are light. And it's the second one of these that I want us to concentrate on this morning, not because it's more important, but purely because it, it ties in with our current series. So let's stand together for the public reading of God's word. And let, let's listen to how Jesus defines us and describes us and then listen to his advice on what we should and shouldn't do. It's a very short reading this morning, starting at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Grab, grab a seat. You are the light of the world. It, it's a startling description. Just, just think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying to you, if you're a kingdom dweller, you are the light of the world. And one of the reasons that this is so startling it's probably and primarily because we, we tend to or immediately think of Jesus as the light of the world, and so we should. Because in John 8, he explicitly states it. I am the light of the world. And so as we begin, we begin to kind of take a closer look at what Jesus is saying here in, in Matthew 5 about us, the one thing that we can say right up front is that we have an incredible sobering responsibility. As people who have committed 
our lives to thee, light of the world, and seek to follow him, we now find ourselves as the light of the world. And from what I understand about the original text of verses 13 and 14, an accurate or a more accurate translation of this reads, you and you alone are the light of the world. In other words, there's no plan B again. It's up to us. It's over to us to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of the world. But if we link this back to last week, one of the first points, and I think I made three or four, I can't even remember, but one of the first points, one of the first points we made about John the Baptist was that he was not the light, but that the true light was coming into the world. And so surely in reading Matthew 5, we're not somehow suggesting that we have replaced Jesus or that we ever could replace Jesus or that our light is somehow now the true or the truer light. And if I was to stand up here this morning and even hint at that, it would be madness. It would be heretical. And so it can't be what what Jesus was saying in Matthew 5. So let me go back to what Jesus actually said in John 8. Because after he declared that he was the light of the world, he says this, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, and this is the bit, but will have the light of life. So you see, as disciples, we are those who have received the light of life. We have received his light And we are now in a position to shine. To reflect that light to others and therefore to be the light of the world. And one of the uh, best or most helpful ways to understand our identity as the light of the world in relation to Jesus being the light of the world is to consider, and this is something we've thought about before, but it is to consider the relationship that exists between the sun and the moon. The moon is a source of light for people of the world at night. But, as we all know, its light is not its own. The moon functions as a reflector of the sun's light, and apart from the sun, the moon can't shine. And in a similar way, we are to shine amidst the darkness, but the the light is not our own. The light is his, and so what we are called to do, invited to do, charged to do, is to reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N. Which is why the title for this morning is Reflected Light. Or at least that was going to be the title for this morning. That's what it says in WBC News. That's what it says on our website. But I've changed it. And the reason I've changed it is, as I prepared for this, I kind of realized, and it was quite late in the day, in fact, if I'm really honest, it was yesterday, (laughs) that reflected light isn't quite right. Because to reflect means what? It means to throw back, 
to send back, to cast back. But we aren't meant to send the light back to Jesus. We are to be the light of what? The world. And so it's not so much reflected light that I want us to think about and want us to remember. I actually think what is more accurate and helpful is this idea of radiated light. And so, in a kind of lastminute.com, change of sermon title, our fourth light of this series is that. Because I think it more accurately captures who we are and what we are and what we are to do. But the question is, how do we do it? How do we do it? You see, the thing about radiated light, who knows what to radiate means? Somebody give me a definition of radiate. To shine, yeah. Do you want anything else? To spread out, brilliant. To give out, to send out, to emit, to diffuse. I'm sure you that, that, that's what we're called to do. We're called to diffuse the light. To spread it out over a wide area, over a great number of people. But the question is how? How do we do that? Well, let me connect this to another biblical reference about, about us as shining light. And it's another reference that we're all familiar with. It comes in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul urges us to do what? Who, who can tell me where I'm going with this? What does Paul urge us to do in, in Philippians chapter 2? Shine is what? Stars in the sky. And he's talking about the fact that we are actually to shine in what is a pretty dark context, a pretty dark environment. The way he describes the world in which we live in, he says, in a warped and in a crooked generation. You're, you're to shine like stars. And a little side thought before I move on. We still live, I mean, Paul was writing this years ago. We still live in a warped and crooked generation. Some might want to argue an even darker one. But remember, as the saying goes, the darkest nights produce the brightest stars. And maybe the fact that we live in an increasingly bleak and dark world means that we have the potential to make a greater difference. The darkest nights produce the brightest stars. But back to this question, how? How do we shine brighter? How do we radiate the light more effectively? Well, let me answer that by taking us through a little bit of Philippians 2, but then going back to Matthew 5. And for me, the ways that I'm about to share and that I'm about to highlight ensure that we then do what Jesus goes on in Matthew 5 to say we must do, and that is remain visible. Jesus says, you've got to remain visible. And the other thing you've got to not do is do not hide this light under some kind of basket. Do not keep it under wraps. So the question is how? How do we radiate the light most effectively? How do we shine brighter as stars in the dark sky that we find ourselves living in? Let me read Philippians 2. It's going to be on the screen. Here's it in its context. Do everything without complaining or grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and a crooked generation. Then you will shine 
among them like stars in the sky as you do what? As you hold firmly to the word of life. Now there's lots in there. And I could kind of pick up on this whole idea of of the importance of not grumbling and not arguing and what it means to be blameless and what it means to be pure. And maybe we'll touch on that in a moment. But it's kind of the second bit that I want us to look at. You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly, hold fast to the word of life. And so the first major piece of advice I want to give you this morning, there's just two, although there's lots of parts to each one. But the first major piece of advice I want to give you this morning, if you want to shine brighter, is to hold firmly to Jesus and the scripture. Jesus is, we know, we've thought about it this season, Jesus is the word become flesh. And we've also looked at the thought that in him, in this word, is life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That's that's what John says in the opening chapter of his gospel. And so even the apostle John, later when he's writing that kind of short letter of his, he describes Jesus in these terms. He says, this we proclaim concerning, and he uses the phrase, the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So he's referring to Jesus. So you can describe Jesus and take from this, but that this word of life that Paul says you need to hold firmly to, you need to hold fast to, in order to shine bright, that word of life is Jesus. And so there's a kind of question I have for you this morning is this. How tightly are you holding on to Jesus? How tightly are you holding on to the word of life? I'll think about what that means in a little second. But there is probably an even stronger sense here in Philippians 2 that this word of life is a direct reference to Scripture, God's written word of life. But I think it can mean both. And the thing is, whenever we are holding tightly to both of those things, tightly to Jesus, tightly to Scripture, what does that mean? Whenever they are at the heart of our lives, whenever they are at the center of our lives, the hub of our lives, the core of our lives, whenever they are influencing us, whenever they are shaping our decisions, shaping our choices, dictating the direction in which we head in, whenever those have a bearing upon our attitudes, upon our speech, upon our behavior, Jesus and the word, the scriptures, whenever those things are at the heart of our lives, we will shine. We will shine like stars. We will be the light of the world to our families to our neighbors, to our friends, to our colleagues. And so as we are about to kind of step out of 2015 and into 2016, my advice to you is this. Please make sure you are holding tightly to Jesus and the scriptures. That your eyes are firmly fixed on the author and the perfecter of your faith. 
that you are walking as he walked, that you are keeping in step with his spirit, and also that you are reading, that you are engaging, and that you are living on this spiritual, life-nourishing soul food that we have been given, the word, the written word of God. And if you find yourself at the end of this year, if you're drifting away from Jesus, that the grip is kind of loosening, that you're not holding as fast and as tightly, he's not at the center of your life as he once was, or if you're becoming disconnected from Scripture, then can I urge you to make some important New Year's resolutions before your light becomes duller or before it increasingly loses its ability to radiate. If we're going to shine, if we're going to radiate, then we need to hold on to Jesus needs to be at the center. It's something we say here a lot. Jesus needs to be at the core. And we need to be people who are immersed in God's word, living it day by day. So hold firmly to the word of life. First piece of advice. But secondly, as I was thinking about this, and kind of where Jesus says this in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, I do want to go back there. And I want to look at what Jesus does actually say before he describes his disciples as salt and light. I want us to go back to the Beatitudes. Those key characteristics of kingdom and of kingdom dwellers. And I know I don't have time to do this justice. But what I want to simply do is recall the eight. And the reason I want to recall these eight Beatitudes as they've come to be known is that whenever we embrace these, whenever we kind of live these God-blessed life values and characteristics, I want to suggest to you we are the light of the world. Whenever we practice these, live these, are these, we shine. And so, this is how we become visible. This is how we then do good works. This is what it means to do good works, as Jesus goes on to say, so that your Father in heaven may be glorified. Not that the attention rests on you, but that people look beyond you to your God. But this is is what it looks like. This is what it means to shine. This is what it means to shine brightly. And so we shine when we're poor in spirit. We shine when we humbly recognize and admit, you know something, I need God. I am dependent on God. That's what this means, to be poor in spirit. It's when we know that apart from God, we can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. And when we reach that place where we are poor in spirit and we recognize our need of God, then I believe we shine. Because we no longer start living for ourselves, but we start living for him. And secondly, we shine when we mourn. When we lament sin, which is one of the main thoughts behind this this phrase. When we lament sin, and when we take it seriously, in our own lives, yes, but also in the lives of others. And when we do that, 
and then as a result are prepared to confess and address sin. I believe when we live like that, when we are people who take sin seriously in our own lives and in our world, we shine. And we shine bright. And we shine when we're meek. When we're willing to be patient and when we're willing to serve others. When we're considerate. When we put others first. That's what it means to be meek. Gentle. Power under control, yes. But it means we no longer think of ourselves, but we think of others. We counteract this kind of me-dominated culture in which we live in. And we say, no, you first. And so I'm going to serve you. And when we serve others, when anyone serves us, you shine. And the intensity just increases that little bit more. And we shine when we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. We're right living. Living as God intends becomes our food and drink. That's when we shine. We're on a regular basis. We are people who are desiring, craving righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. If you're those sort of people, you're blessed. And you shine. And we shine when we're merciful. When instead of seeking revenge or retaliation, we show mercy, we extend the hand of friendship, we give people what they don't deserve. That, that's mercy. When we reach out in compassion to those in need, we shine. And we shine when we're pure in heart. You see, when the condition of in here matters... And the reason that the condition of in here matters is because the condition of in here dictates everything we do. What's that proverb say? Above all else, guard your heart because it affects everything. It's the wellspring of life. And we shine when we are pure in heart. And when we mess up, that we seek forgiveness. And we cry out to God like the Psalms, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, God. And when we, we pray that, when we mean that, when that becomes important to us, I believe we shine. Seven, we shine when we're peacemakers. When we seek to bring harmony and reconciliation, when we work for it, when we actively pursue it in difficult situations, whether that's in our homes, in our churches, on our streets, in our communities, in our world. And finally, we shine when we are persecuted for righteousness. You see, whenever you're given a hard time for doing what's right, whenever you're given a hard time for doing what's right, when we commit or recommit ourselves to living God's way and following Jesus, no matter what, we shine. And the reason why we shine brightly when we live like this is because this is exactly how Jesus lived and shone. And so if we're going to radiate Jesus to others, Diffuse Jesus to others. Emit Jesus to others. Give out Jesus to others. 
We've got to recognize this is how Jesus lived. He became totally dependent. He mourned, not for his own sin, but over its effect in the lives of humanity. He was meek. Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. He was hungry to do the right thing. What did he say on one occasion? My food is to do the will of the Father. Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Jesus showed mercy time and time again. Jesus was totally pure from the inside out. Jesus was the prince of peace who said to Peter, Peter, put your sword away. In that really difficult situation when everybody was crying out for revenge and retaliation and Peter lashed out, Jesus said, no, put, put your sword away. Jesus was a peacemaker. And Jesus was persecuted all the way to the cross. See, he was killed for living this way. And so as we go from here this morning, to be the light of the world, to reflect or rather radiate Jesus to others, let me encourage you to think again about these eight Beatitudes and ask yourself, ask yourself, is this, is this my heart? Is this who I am? Merciful, meek, peacemaker, all of those things. Because when they are, we shine that wee bit brighter. And although this morning I've been thinking about this at a very personal level, and that is important, there is a community aspect and dimension to this to bear in mind. Whenever Jesus says, and going back to the original I know, whenever Jesus says you are the light of the world, that you is not so much singular and individual, it's plural. You see, Jesus was actually speaking to his disciples as a community of believers, a new community of kingdom citizens. And therefore together, therefore as a group, therefore as a church, you are the light of the world. We're in this together. And we have got to shine brightly together and radiate Jesus sharply. We are the light of the world. And so let's shine in 2016. Let's shine as a city on a hill and as stars in the night sky. And as we close this morning, what I want us to do is just take a wee bit of time. This is, as Sam said, it's the last Sunday of 2015. The next time we meet together, 2016. And so as we kind of leave one year behind and look into a new one, I wanted to just create a bit of space in order for us to examine our hearts and consider where we're at in terms of where we're at with Jesus and where he is in our lives and whether we're holding fast and holding tightly to him and whether he's at the center and whether he's at the hub. And I want us to think about our attitude to God's word that word of life, that written word of life. And think about our engagement with, us, with it in 2015 and what's our intention in 2016. And then to think about those eight Beatitudes.